Hello and welcome back for another Jumping the Gun podcast. I am Jared Allen. I'm joined by Cahill Dennehy and Phelan Kelly. Oh yeah. We've taken a little hiatus last week because of all the action that was going on, but we're back. No, because no. we felt like it. Absolutely <laughs> not. We weren't struggling for motivation, that's for sure. No, we waited till Cahill came back from all his travels and his uh, duties with the IWF and others. And he's brought lots of interesting insights back for us. Yeah, tons. tons. That's, that's about all of them. You'll be hearing from uh, the coach of the new long jump hero, Juan Miguel Echevarria. Um, his coach's name is Danny Osorio. Um, we've also got a bit from Jacob Ingebrigtsen or Jakob Ingebrigtsen about training like a nut job since the age. Training like a professional from the age of eight or nine. <laughs> King his Jake. words, not mine. Yes. You'll hear that later on. Um, we've also, who else did I catch up with? Talk to Samba, but uh, the audio quality was not fantastic. Abderam and Samba. So, uh, yeah, that's that's not going to be part of the podcast. You can, we'll talk about Samba. You can talk about him, nonetheless. Um, who else? Was Julian Wonders, given the social media debate we had in recent weeks, I asked him about his social media presence, the Swiss distance runner who's uh, got a big Instagram following, training out in Kenya. So, hear a bit of that, and we'll debate the other talking points around the circuit absolutely yes yeah. so we have a couple of diamond leagues to talk through and then we'll be heading stateside to, to look back on the NCAA championships that took place uh, last weekend or so uh, and then some solid results there some even decent, though they don't have drug testing but anyway decent and half decent results there right yeah we'll get stuck into that it's no Irish Intervarsity Championships no certainly not the IUAAs deserve a podcast all on their own but anyway, we'll come back to the uh, the Irish performances. Then we were, of course, down at the Irish Schools Championships two weeks ago. And we had a blistering national record from the sprint queen, Phil Healy. So to start, I suppose we'll come all the way back to the most recent of our Diamond Leagues, I think. Uh, Oslo and Stockholm. Cahill, you were there. Talk to us. What do you want me... No, it was fantastic. Um very much pleased I went to Stockholm first time going to the Bisley Games I went to Stockholm two years ago it was um, what's the term I'm looking for a bag of shite uh, <laughs> it was lashing rain all night there was about a quarter of the stadium was filled um, the performances were terrible and uh, it was quite a depressing day for the sport and very much just the, the Nordic Diamond Leagues appeared to echo that last year the better weather but the stands were quite empty and uh, so yeah Great weather in both places this time. Oslo was probably 98% full, I'd say. Um, and Stockholm was probably 75% full, um, which was great to see because they're two key athletics, uh, historic meetings in historic stadiums. So, yeah, it was wonderful to see. Oslo, in particular, was brilliant. And I think what really struck me and struck a lot of people was that in the post-Bolt, post-Farah, on the track at least, era, there was a lot of talk about whether people will stand up and, you know, who's going to be the stars of the sport. And you just realise then we don't need them. You know, we're not li- we're not lacking in any way. You've got... Yeah, well, that's the question, isn't it, Carl? Like, were they, they were taking up basically the whole budget, taking the spotlight away from so everyone. much variety and the different levels of talent. As you've already said, like, Echeverria now is coming up 19. 
the two guys now in the 400 hurdles and Carson Barham obviously in particular for Oslo and then just other athletes to find their their space and to be given the platform Mm. Absolutely. And did they like, suck the life? Yeah. What's the point in trying to put yourself out there when every all the attention is given to Bolt or Farrah anyway? I'd say especially the for the likes <laughs> of the the British track and field athletes who are probably like, well, there's no point in even trying here because Birmingham is going to be set up for Farrah whether I'm here or not. Yeah, exactly. And I think there was a great. I think like what Oslo did this year is something that uh, so many other meetings around the world could mimic. Um, and also to an extent in Stockholm, lots of conversations with, I suppose, media people, agents, athletes, media even. friends, media friends um, about just the topics in the sport. The same stuff everyone talks to fill the hours before a meeting. But uh, like Oslo had definitely the best marketing I've ever seen for an athletics meeting. They had all their big Norwegian stars mocked up as sort of I'm just looking at the poster here that was uh, <coughs> stolen um, on our wall <laughs> gifted to you they've got Grovdal Isabel Pedersen Carson Warholm uh, Ingebrigtsen's all up there on the wall in a Game of Thrones sort of mock-ups as warriors and in and around the Bislett games fantastic marketing and he acquired another one on our staircase there with uh, Varham just as a superhero of some superhero sort, yeah, yeah. and it was fantastic yeah and they had and in Stockholm even talking to some of the the press officers there they were saying they had a huge festival and I actually dropped in on that festival like a weirdo it was a children's festival family festival I should say <laughs> did you bring the family? <laughs> I had no family family um, for hire I dropped in and took a few photos in my media role. Um, yeah, no comment. <laughs> no comment. But yeah, they had all sorts of activities. And as the organizers said, they basically marketed the whole thing as a big family festival outside the stadium. All morning, they had kids races in the Olympic Stadium. Everyone got their little free t-shirt. And then obviously, a lot of the parents buy tickets and uh, to go to the actual meeting itself. And just, yeah, they basically they got some Norwegian pop star who... You did a session on the Olympic Stadium as well. You I did. The opportunity. I enjoyed that. My Achilles hasn't been the same since. But yeah, fantastic worth venue it. to run around in. Very much worth the six months of uh, sedentary lifestyle that awaits me now. But uh, no, fan- two fantastic meetings and great to catch up with some of the athletes. And uh, I think there was promising signs for what many consider to be an ailing sport. Mm. It's not dead yet, that's for sure. Was it the... Was it the right balance and the sense of like, as Jared you mentioned there, just about Malfar, but the race has just been completely lopsided, set up for victory, whereas obviously you need the right level of athlete, but 400 hurdles, like they still had Abderman yeah. Samba against Varham, obviously yeah. he was yeah. high yeah. level to compete, if- but at least they didn't try and block him so that... They would have. They were. They had a guaranteed home victory there if they mm. if they potentially blocked Samba out. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't do that. And in Rome, like days before, obviously Samba beat him, beat Warholm. And then if if the Norwegians followed the British model, it would have been Warholm against a bunch of chickens running around in fifty seconds, <laughs> and it would have been a facile victory for Warholm. But the crowd absolutely loved it. The two Ingebrigtsens got beaten in the Dream Mile. Isabel Pedersen got beat, well beaten in the hurdles by the best in the world, yeah. Brianna McNeil. Yeah. And, uh, Jacob as well in the 1500. Like, they half set it up, but he had a lot to do and he was just beaten. But again, yeah. good racing kind of. And good racing, yeah. And like they had the world champion in the Dream Mile, Elijah Man- Manangoy, like beating the Ingebrigtsens. And I don't think that that turns off the audience. You know, they want to see, like, they're not going to go home depressed if they've seen him finish second by a metre. Yeah, I suppose they, it works well won't. up to that distance doesn't mm. it? I suppose in the 5 and the 10 you can kind of get spanked well, yeah. around a little if bit quick, have whereas a, like if you're 200 metres back whereas 
yeah generally and obviously you need the world-class athlete to start with from norway or wherever they are they have to be in contention with the best in the world so there's only a use doing that in certain events obviously you're not gonna well you could completely dilute your field for certain races yeah, but it was nice that they kind of had the 1500 and the mile that kind of worked well that they opened with that so that they could use jacob's kind of rising star on his own entity yeah that 1500 like they, they're using what they've got and then going the the mile again for later for the for the dream mile yeah i just think in terms of getting interest in the sport from like middle distances up you need good races but in the sprints and the field events you need good performances so like the likes of samba and warholm are exciting because they're running 47 seconds for fun and then Echeverria are jumping 883 is obviously insane so that's, that's okay. kind of that's uh, bringing okay. some craziness into it again and driving people to kind of go who's this freak show back on the runway but so even if the Warhol and Samba are there every week battling each other but they're running 48 high or something it's kind of like well there's not really much point in tuning in so I think it's Unless different the rivalry develops as well in yeah terms but of you do still need the, a decent standard mm. in terms of the sprints you need to be able to gauge it off something but if it's a slow 15 or a mile or whatever it doesn't really matter if it's a good race it's a good race so yeah I suppose from there we'll have a listen to young Jakob yeah Jakob got the job done in 337 and it looked for I mean for anyone it looked easy but for a 17 year old it looked annoyingly easy so uh, that was the first question I asked him did it feel as easy out there Ah. Uh, not as easy as uh, as Thursday in, uh, in Bristol Games, but uh, I've had a, a tough week yet before this race, but it uh, uh, feels good doing a 337 and uh, uh, bring home a victory. Are you still training pretty hard this early in the summer, or have you been easing down for some of these races? Yeah, we've been training a lot uh, a couple of weeks before uh, these two races, but i uh, kind of gotten uh, a little bit of shape for, for this race, but uh, uh, now we're going to train uh, a little bit more and uh, hopefully be in, in, in better shape uh, soon. Cool. And what are your racing plans for the rest of the summer? Uh, uh, my next race is probably the Junior Worlds, but uh, we'll see if I race something before that. Cool. Do you know what distance you're thinking there? Uh, 1500 and 5k. Cool. Yeah. And uh, obviously a lot of us saw that documentary that was on Norwegian TV about you and the brothers and the family and I suppose a takeaway was that uh, you trained quite hard from an early age, I suppose very like probably more a Kenyan approach than a European approach. Do you think like that is part of the reason that you, you're running so well now at 17? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've been a professional uh, runner since I was uh, eight, nine, 10 years old. Now I've been uh, training uh, dedicated and following a, a good structure as the same as my brothers from an early age. I've been training uh, not too much, but uh, I've trained a lot compared to running in, uh, in Norway. But. Uh, I think that's the main reason, of course. And the cross-country kind of skiing background, is that all part of it, that you, from a very early age, you have built that aerobic system? Yeah, of course, all of us have been uh, doing football, uh, skiing and running, and yeah, a lot of different uh, type of stuff, but it's definitely something to consider to start being really active and train much from an early age. And final question, like, your dad is obviously doing a wonderful job coaching you. Can it ever become difficult, I suppose, that having your dad as your coach and the crossover between the two? Yeah, definitely. I think you've probably seen it in the, in the series. Uh, it's, it's tough uh, uh, doing uh, for you. You have to be a father and, uh, and trainer as well. And uh, for us being an athlete and, and son. Cool. But uh, it's a part of the, the thing we're kind of hoping to develop to be the best in the world, of course. Cool. Congratulations. Thank today. you. Best of luck. There you go. 
training for, like a professional athlete since the age of eight or nine. That would mm. do it, all right. Yep. yep. QED. He's done well to get this far. There you go, listeners. What have you been up to at the age of eight? Watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Bunch of wasters. Tiger Woods' book there beside us. He was starting from six, eight, nine, eleven starting months what? playing golf. That <laughs> is. Off, yeah. And uh, two years of age, he was striking the golf ball in the garage there. Yeah, mm. McElroy. Pretty good. McElroy was on the late, late show, wasn't he? Chipping the ball into the washing machine when he was a little yeah. scut as well. Don't even yeah. think about having a childhood. S- so, uh, abusive parents out there, <laughs> away you go, yeah. get at it, <laughs> don't hold yourself back. <laughs> the only way is up. You have mm. a one in a million chance of success as well. <laughs> it's well about ruining your children's lives. <laughs> you might have a family of Ingebrigtsons, how else will you know? Yes. Anyway, 3.36 for Jakob for third, then in uh, Oslo, that yeah. was Stockholm, that interview was from after he won that... Uh, I only talk to winners, Joe. Absolutely, yeah. He was. I have he no time nothing, for tears. He meant nothing to you <laughs> after that uh, third place performance, but uh, yeah, he's certainly doing okay. Um, after that, you caught the other man from Europe, Julian Wanders. Yeah, uh, that was in Oslo. So Julian yeah. was out trying to break twenty-eight minutes and uh, break his. I think he has the Swiss Swiss record, but uh, he didn't manage to do it. But what's uh, his uh, story for those who don't know? Uh, so U- Julian Wanders. Um, the European He's, kind of uh, Robertson kind of yeah, that path didn't he that's essentially yeah, he's the European Zake Zake and yeah. Zane Robertson he moved to Kenya when he was 18 he yeah. went to stay with. he knew one guy he went there for a month loved it and then just said you know what I'm going to move back and uh, so he got a bit of backing off the Swiss Federation just moved to Kenya for the last three years I think and, and he finished top 10 at the World Half Marathon Championships ran 60 minutes for a half marathon already and he's trying to run the 10k at the European Championships in Berlin he's a guy you'll be hearing a lot more of in the years to come and context for his development was he was in 2015 in here he was 10th in the European Junior Cross Country Championships that Kevin Mulcair and a couple of those Irish guys competed in and uh, like you're saying there with Kenny he, he said the same type of thing instead of training camps and being professional for six week blocks maybe two three times a year he decided all in like the the robertson all in yeah the only way but um yeah i talked to him a little bit about life in kenya and also given our debate in recent weeks because he's such a presence on instagram and social media how that affects him what do you think has led to the improvement this year because so far it's been a really good year for you yeah just (laughs) i'm very consistent in training uh, I work very hard with my group in Kenya, so yes, and I, I have almost no injuries now, so yeah, I think the, the key is the consistency for me, and uh, I, I just believe also that in my mind I can go far, so I think it's helping me also. And one final question, you're obviously quite popular on social media, do you feel that helps you as a runner, like do you feel it's important I guess to interact with your fans on social media? Yeah, for me it's very important also to show that. Uh, to the world, our athletes we are working. Uh, it's not coming yes. like we're just talented and that's it. Uh, I just want to show that and also to show that uh, I run clean and I'm just working for it, uh, working very hard. And I and I also want to to show how I'm passionate by athletics. It's, it's really a passion for me. So yeah. So there we go. That was Julien talking about uh, social media and whatnot as the lads look up from their phones. Um, yeah, I'm going to give you a pop, 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 pop quiz there about the last minute. Yeah. No, yeah. we wouldn't do that to you. You're clearly not paying attention. No, but I think he's got like a lot of the 
the young runners and stuff that I, I coach and then just being around any other young runners that particularly obviously middle distance to distance runners Julian Wanders is a big influence and I think he's a positive influence on them as well in terms of doing your training getting up early and doing the extra little bits and why did you get up early? Yeah. well he's just on the Kenyan lifestyle but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, even he was we were all there Jared we yes. live in our little tour to Belgium and Ortegum and we saw him uh, racing there and then obviously then the follow up on the Instagram of him he was up I think we we hadn't even gotten out of bed and he'd uh, been for a run into the gym and everything else so uh, poor recovery strategies there yeah. I'd say living like a Kenyan yeah. but he's got a couple of cool little videos that they've done up now this is not just by him but for Lausanne is coming up in a few other meets and he raced a metro train there did you see that oh no I didn't in, see that in um, was it Lausanne I don't think it it was another one, another Swiss meeting that it's I can't remember. Shots, yeah. But anyway, he raced a, a metro. Again, the kind of creativity that uh, I suppose they probably take their lead from Irish athletics in that sense. Um, <laughs> say, it was like you know, how to promote, how yeah. to promote meetings really creatively. Yeah, yeah. That Facebook page though there from the sun is racing the dark. Did anybody see that random? <laughs> I one? saw that. Conor McGregor was in the front of the track. Well, there we go. It was a joke. But Julian Wonders actually raced the Swiss equivalent of a dart there to promote an upcoming meeting in Switzerland well, what um, is it called in Switzerland Le Dart yeah Le Dart Le Dartage <laughs> something like that so another one of the stars well it's supposed the main star of the field events move over Barshim Juan Miguel Echebria we'll get the correct pronunciation that of his name magnificent somewhere, pronunciation somewhere along the line but uh, yeah 883 with a slight illegal wind 2.1 mm, cheating wind absolutely but the, what is it the ninth longest ever with all wins or something that likes or six longest it's up there yeah, yeah. It's all anyway, the longest in 23 years I know yeah, that but he went out and jumped 665 or 865 yesterday 866 866 sorry yeah so he's uh, got a decent legal jump into his legs anyway I think he got three jumps over 850 which is only done by like five other people ever in the series so yeah he's in good shape it's so. time to care about the long jump again absolutely that's a brilliant one isn't it and when you think of a lot of schools and more of them should have it but they've got a few long jump pits out the back and things and it, it is the type of event that you know if you've done P or you've brought kids to exercise they love legging it down jumping into the pit going and have another go and seeing somebody literally hit the the back end of the pit yeah. and we were looking at the angles for a bit to see did he hit it and move, and move backwards, backwards and yeah. lose distance and uh, you were saying Jared I was like well, is it a shorter distance of a thing but it was actually off a off a, a one meter, meter board and it yeah, should be yeah. three or something yeah most of them are off two or three meter boards I think at the major meet so in uh, yeah. Oslo it was a one meter board so not ideal there we go I yeah. never knew that yeah and that was interesting because I was like how did he get to the end like if yeah, it, yeah. like even on Mike Powell's great uh, jump I don't think he didn't hit it with his feet at the end of the pit yeah I think in like the the bird's nest in London and maybe in Rio as well the pit the huge pit so you're kind of yeah. nearly lost in it it's very hard to gauge what's, what sort of jump someone has jumped unless you have the boards alongside as well but yeah I think definitely a one metre board is, is nonsense for those sort of well at this stage stuff. it is yeah. for him now, yeah. but, but it is great that he actually literally hit the back end of the pit like it is magic yeah. to see and it really gets the general punter to say jeez just see your man literally nearly yeah, jumped nearly out of the pit. Yeah. yeah. Good mm. going. Yeah. 
Yeah, so um, I, I attempted to catch up with one Miguel I afterwards. I was about to say, but, uh, to good long jump, jump or something. The Achilles. <laughs> Got a good five metres yeah, out. Yeah, I only jumped 860, so I uh, consider there's no future in the sport with him around. But uh, feet, yeah. one Miguel does not speak English. Uh, at least he probably pretended not to when he saw me coming. Was this not um, him here? Did we not catch up with him here? Eddie Van Halen was that not oh I thought that was no, the coach oh, sorry, noted yeah. 850 long jumper yeah, back in the 1970s I thought that was the recording of the technical I thought that was the coach yeah the coach the te- jump. Yeah, yeah technical stuff yeah jump. must you make light of everything I do Absolutely. jump 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 you got it so anyway here's uh, here's my interview with Juan Miguel Echeverria who was beside this uh, his coach Denny Osorio talking about how he got started and uh, asking through his coach slash interpreter what his goals are in the sport. Did he feel inspired by people like Pedroso and people like... Pedroso. Uh, uh, yeah. Pedroso, because yeah. Pedroso cool. is my brother. Cool. He's uh, my... Good friend. Yeah, very, yeah. very, very good friend. Um, he helped me about his, his technique. And I, I love Juan Pedroso too because he's my brother. Cool. Do you see areas in Juan Miguel where he can improve even? Or do you think he is now the finished product? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I can, I can, I can, I can, I can see. I can see that because I think this moment he he don't have um, limit. Yes. I think that he can to jumper. Is, is he the most talented jumper you have ever seen? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I think so. Yeah. And uh, can okay. I ask one final question yeah. to Juan Miguel? Uh, what is his dream in the sport? His ultimate goal, if you could ask him. Uh, what? Repeat again. What is his ultimate ambition in athletics? Ah, yo. Tu mayor ambición como atleta. Tu mayor ambición como atleta. So he want to 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 win the Olympic Games. Okay, and the world record too. Perfect. No? So, yes. uh, so I, I have to go because... Yes, uh, yes, yes. Go. So, Muchas gracias indeed. So mm, he is did you a, hear that fluid Spanish I churned oh, out there at the end? Well yeah, there. yeah. Seamless, yeah. seamless <laughs> yeah. I said, see, see, see. Muchas Should gracias. Should have given that back to him there. So coach says classes. he is without limits. Yeah, he has no limits. Mm. And who are we to disagree? Absolutely. Nine metres on the way, I'm sure. So no. No, I'd say that'll be the longest he jumps now. He'll be back down to eight with a bang. Yeah, uh, he's he'll definitely get over eight seventy. He's, he's surely. <laughs> You'd hope so. He's nineteen, <laughs> he so 19. We'll, we'll have a bit of hope for the young lad. Yes. All right, I thought you were just on the usual that we say privately. Always bet on failure. <laughs> you're higher. You're higher proportion well, being right. He's already succeeded. He's a world indoor champion. He is indeed. Yeah. So. The Olympic Olympic gold is the dream, Tokyo and beyond. And, and the world record. That world record, yeah. So I suppose that kind of wraps up our Diamond League action from the most recent. Colin, any uh, parting thoughts you want to leave us with your, from your travels? Mm. Travels and travails. Just the context of, I suppose, getting the balance right of the blend of athletes and, and maybe more so in, is it maybe more so in the middle distance events where it's obviously quite striking because it's the, the length of time. You know, in a hundred meter hurdles, it's thirteen seconds or twelve four to thirteen three. Obviously, you a hurdle difference, maybe, but in in like the five thousand, like uh, what was it? Ben was that Stockholm? Ben True was fourth or something like that, and he was still a good bit behind. Like, let's essentially the main race with Berega, yeah. the top three, and the striking difference over a five and ten k in particular. Yeah, 
Well, there you go. The best in the world. If they're not good enough, they're not good enough. What are you going to yeah, do? Tell Beret. I'm, I'm not sure what your point is here, Phil. Yeah, but my point is... That's my point is... <laughs> Ask the question at the end of okay. your... <laughs> well, we spoke about it before. I thought you were going to run with it. But basically that, uh, you know, the managing, let's say, for instance, managing fields and in terms of athletics, like where is the money made and wh where is the main, let's say, fan bases? Obviously, one is USA is a, is a big fan base. And then where are we generally now for the real athletics? As you said, historically, Oslo, Stockholm... European fan base, and there's the element. Why of is it European fan base? I'd say the, I'd say the per capita, the biggest interest in distance runners is in Kenya and Ethiopia. I know, but they don't put bums on seats, and they're not going well, to be they fine. Did. They don't if have you meets. have a meeting there, yeah. they turn out there was never a bigger crowd at the world across country than there was in Uganda and Kenya. And then, as for the World Youth Championships, did eighty thousand people show up to a stadium last year for the World Youths in Nairobi? Gives them a diamond league. Give them a diamond league. Why? Why yeah. should Europe always be the centre of the world? Historic, knowledgeable British fans. But well, not just because British. Because the meets okay. stuck in Britain. I, I know that. Yeah. But that's that's a good point. Why don't they? Well, obviously they probably don't have the finances. One to to host the diamond league. Do they? Yeah. It, it, what's the average? I suppose disposable income of a Kenyan is not very high. They're not going to be buying apps and uh, TV rights to watch all the races. And uh, are we? What's it, uh, not necessarily, no. But <laughs> I know what you're saying. But okay, Tour de France cycling. You know, it's the hotbed. You have the Tour de France in what? France, obviously. Uh, apart from when they bring it, the odd place. You know, in in general, though, Europe is is the home of the sport. Now, obviously, you try and develop it like they are in soccer as well, trying to bring it more globally as well. And there is a bigger global global interest as well, but. There is a balance in essence, particularly if you okay, the meat is in Europe. The Europeans that are going to attend are more than likely like in Oslo there. The reason it was back was because they had five at least five good athletes that could yeah. compete at a good level and the races mm. were essentially But how on slow level how managed. slow do you have to make the five K before a Norwegian can keep up? Yeah, and if if all the yeah, best sprinters, 13, 16, if all the best sprinters are in America and Jamaica the meat is in Oslo, so we just bring in a lot of European guys, get all the Brits over, and only the the uh, Nordic countries can compete in it because that's what will put the bums on the seats. Well, I'm teasing it out a little bit in terms of, like, one good example, okay, is uh, the Highgate. There's different levels, and you guys said the other day, which a good example is, okay, the Diamond League is the Premier League. Let's, in, yeah. in the context of it's the Premier League, so, like, it's the best of the best and that's what I'd always agree like in the world championships in generally of the best of the best well apart from obviously you can only have three from each country otherwise you'd have 10 Americans in the sprints maybe yeah. different things like that but uh, the the essence though of like Highgate for example you know they, they set up that field in the, the Europeans and they they had one or two kind of Africans and different things like that but yeah but Highgate set up for people to run qualifying times for championships it's not for athletes to go out there and make money like I, the diamond league is is your cash cow for the year especially if yeah, you don't have a major yeah, championship so, so yeah. there's 10 grand on the line for every race you do why should you be put out of making money because they want somebody else who's more marketable to the local crowd might draw in an extra 2,000 people but you're not allowed to earn a living because yeah, you're not from the right demographic yeah, yeah. 
that that's restriction of I suppose you could look at that as restriction of trade although they restrict they restrict that all the time because the agents kind of dictate what yeah. lanes and who kind of gets in anyway so it's not mm-hmm. really open competition anyway no it's not um, or, or near it and there's always one punter from the local locality that gets snuck in there as well at least well, one Arena yeah. Ekelund was in the Stockholm women's 100 metres there and who was a fantastic junior I think she was world junior champion in 2014 but I think she hasn't broken 11.6 this year mm. and she was suitably dismissed um, there was two Swedes at least pick, in the 800 as pick well pick up a grand for herself coming last yeah, exactly. So um, it's I don't know. It's a tricky balance, I suppose. Um, at the as we said, if it's an invitational meeting, a world challenge meeting, or something, it's fair game. If someone wants to like a Milrose Games, uh, if I think if someone wants to go, you know what? We don't want any, any Kenyans. We want an American against a New Zealander, um, mm. and it's only going to be faces that kind of athletics fans will immediately recognize I, I think in that situation I can see the argument where it's your own meet and you're doing your own thing but if you join a format like the Diamond League which is the highest level mm. tier of the sport then I think you have to accept that you have to allow the best athletes in the world race that and earn Maybe a living the, yeah that new ranking system could be put to use to say right look these are the top 20 ranked athletes we'll see who say for the sprints who within that top 20 let's give the first eight offer it to them and see where we go from there if they decline or injured or whatever and yes Carl um, Tim Hutchings made a has an interesting column in Athletics Weekly this week where he basically argues um, for no more than three from any country in a Diamond League race and he basically says there's farcical things like in I think it was the women's steeplechase in Doha he said or 3k it was 14 out of the 16 were either Kenyan or Ethiopian yeah that was my point but there was but in one counter argument to that I saw there was a steeplechase at a great opportunity level as well in Doha at around 8.20 but nobody I don't think any, nobody really availed of the opportunity in that instance and hence obviously sometimes there's give, more Africans maybe in, they've in, given up on one level but but yeah there is a there is a point there to that and then just finally that, that this back to the old usual debate that at least in Prefontaine like Laura Muir wore a night and because they're sponsored by the Federation she she wore a Great Britain Nike gear it's just getting so ridiculous now well, that's they the all thing wear the same th- gear thinking, it's yes, even it's worse they're not running if you're restricting it for, for country they're not running for the country their country has nothing to do with when they're competing in the Diamond League they're running for Nike or Adidas that's their club well yeah but that, I just that's mean there's a development right? of I just mean in terms of it, yeah. it's, it's far more easily identifiable even though she's reasonably oh, yeah, it's miserable watching you can when pick her out the, straight away with the British gear and likewise yeah. If they're going to brand, if we're talking about like Oslo and the way they marketed and branded it better, like that, you know, you could have teams or whatever and, and they wear a certain, some of them have different kits. So like at least, you know, for some of the, some of the Kenyans and different guys like Barrega and Bally, like if they're wearing like whatever, at least with the NN running team, for example, now they've, they've their distinctive white vests and iron shorts and things like that. So you can pick. Yeah. the runners mm. out easily because like, it, it doesn't matter if they're African or even white Europeans you, it doesn't matter when you're watching a, a 5k race from a kind of a distance it, it, you can't, it's hard to pick anybody out yeah really. it's ridiculous anyway okay. moving on 10 minutes I, later I got, a, I got agreement there, <laughs> yeah, yeah. let's move on so from there oh. it's someone falls on the ground uh, back stateside to the NCAA championship so as always it's probably one of the best meets 
Or historic Hayward Field. Historic. Did you remember it's historic. historic? Don't forget it's historic. Cockle was there. He'll tell you it's historic. It's very historic. So was Phelan. Phelan, is it historic? Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, as I, I, th- I think I alluded to it in one of the other podcasts when you there's no harm in ripping up the old seats and getting new seats in anyway because it's quite painful. It's if anyone is ever in the old Donny Rook, it's just uh, in, in planks of wood. It's planks of wood, concrete blocks, benches, benches. true American style, like bleachers, you've like a, Friday night lights. You've a sore, you've a sore, sore bee hand anyway. Yeah. And then your knees are going into somebody else's back, and their knees are going into your back, and it's just. Anyway, the NCAA's is probably the best five days of athletics you can really get in terms of senior competitions. Anyway, it goes what Wednesday to Saturday, um, and we've seen the second fast, equal second fastest to ever 40 meter hurdles. Not uh, bad. Roy Benjamin, he's just turned pro there as well. He's not a country, does 47-0-2. I think Anguilla is his country, or Antigua. I saw something on Twitter, he's a man of no fixed abode or something. Sure, we'd like snap ourselves. Him up. Yeah, that's it. But anyway, yeah. And then in the 400, uh, Michael Norman, 43-61. So that was a collegiate record in the world. Yep. He has gone pro. Uh, Sydney McLaughlin has gone pro. She took down the women's four hurdles title. But it was miserable conditions. It was the day after the men, so did them split up by sex day by day, whether you agree with it or not. But it seems to work. But yeah. Uh, yeah. But anything else we missed out on there? We had a few fallers as well. There was a smack off the steeplechase from the longtime leader. She for Clarig Butner, she the only Irish athlete competing. I don't um, know if she was the only one. I was think she? Grace McKenzie was in the heptathlon for. Oh yeah. Nice. I was fed erroneous information then. I think she's Irish. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Are you alluding it was me? No, <laughs> you've never been wrong. Um, but yeah, she for, uh, ran a very uh, brave race. She she kind of pretty much took lead. She ran the shortest way the whole way around. It was just maybe in second with the leader running just slightly off the curve. And then she surged to the lead around the last bend. Probably led with 100 to go, but then just didn't have it up the home straight. They went through in 60. The winner came back in 64. It was a miserable evening in Hayward Field. So obviously time's not too quick. It was won by Sammy Watson, another world youth champion ah, coming through. Sammy. Sammy. Yeah, 204, and she ran 205 for fourth, and there ends her collegiate yeah. career. So it's the, what Here's next? the big crossroads, exactly, and what do you do? What does she What does she do, Cahill? Just don't come home. I, yeah, that's what I'm kind of saying. <laughs> I don't think she I would scream at, yeah. not that my advice is worth anything, but I would scream at her not to come home and to try and get into a professional group where she'll be surrounded by like-minded runners with world-class ambitions. Yeah, especially if she's been over there for four years and it's gone well, then why leave? Yeah, she's got a great coach and I think it's Gina Procaccio who's the Villanova coach and it's been, it has been done, there, obviously. Yeah, it's probably likely most people would move on from their collegiate coach, but Pat Tiernan did sign to Nike and remain working part-time in Villanova while being coached by Marcus O'Sullivan so it's certainly possible maybe for a year but uh, yeah hopefully anyway she makes whatever's the right decision for her the, and the somewhere idea, she'll be happy the ideal scenario where she would have been obviously guaranteed probably a, a pro contract team contract would have been winning that race wouldn't it in, in, realistically but uh, it's yeah. going to be a little bit more of a challenge but in terms of like you were saying some of the options and different people like you know now Asia Pretelier is obviously based in America anyway but going to train with Emma Coburn and, and in this instance maybe it could be something like does she go to somewhere like in New York and train with RG That's Wilson. in Philly they're in, in Philly, Philly actually they are they're Philly. only in Even the road Raven Rogers uh, RG Wilson and uh, Charlene Lipsy three there world class we'll, we'll <laughs> sure there's something in Philadelphia there Derek Thompson is the coach there um, I'm sure she wouldn't have to change Mary much at all 
Case closed. Yeah. <laughs> there you are, we've solved we've your solved problem. Here. No, Sorry. but uh, again, it's all about that being happy somewhere, I suppose. And maybe maybe that is back in Dublin for certain people, it is so. Mm, I think she's thriving over there. It's, uh, but yeah, she certainly appears to be. I happy. think you were feeding us erroneous information there, Phelan. I don't think Grace McKenzie was in the NCAA. She, she was. I've read <laughs> Gilroy's Twitter, not in the uh, Instagram. Maybe she didn't finish the she's competition. She's not in the results anyway. But uh, this wasn't a dream you were having. I, mm. I'll check Brendan Gilroy's Twitter there. He, she, they, she was one of the couple of athletes from McNeese competing there. Okay, we'll take your word for it. Anyway, in the news that we love to talk about mostly though, what's the story with the doping at the NCAA's? Mm. Lower lack what do you mean thereof? doping? The, what do you mean the, doping? The no potential, potential for doping at the NCAAs is what? It's yeah, an open door. There were murmurings on Twitter and elsewhere that there was no drug testing. And then uh, good old David Monty, a man of many talents, the race coordinator for the New York Marathon, puts the fields together for them. Does race results weekly as well as well as being a journalist and a race director. He's but anyway, for all runners, general elite athlete coordinator, isn't he for all the events? David Monty looked into it and. Uh, from two reliable sources in Collegiate Athletics confirmed that there was no drug testing at the NCAA Championships last week which uh, I think is an embarrassment I think they're they don't do it at the IUIA either I think they do I think they do do they? yeah (laughs) Sport Ireland they're all over it absolutely yeah Um, another ways to catch but anyway (laughs) but yeah the NCAA allegedly beyond just track and field but also related to track and field the NCAA makes millions um, billions billions off amateur athletes in the what many refer to as a slavery modern day slavery sports mm. system um, and to, to think that they can't implement drug testing at the biggest event of the year in American track and field college level is disgraceful Yes, yeah, and it makes you think of every performance and probably many that don't deserve it but it makes you take them all with a pinch the, of salt until they're repeated under a situation where they're properly drug tested. Yeah, the outer competition testing is then basically in-house testing really, isn't it? So that if things do show up, they shouldn't show up, possibly they can be swept under the big rug. Yes, I had an athlete message me um, after I tweeted about it. Who? Who? Who was on scholarship in America? He'll know who he is. Or she. Not mentioning his initials. But or anyway, um, but he mentioned that he knows six or seven athletes test positive during uh, All-American athletes as well. I'm not saying that term, All-Americans, which means... But they were top, top 10. Is it top 10 in an NCAA like competition? Top 12 is their 10, yeah. It's different on the track to cross-country. But anyway, they were quite high level. But he said it was mostly for recreational substances. And he said all of them just seemed to disappear. And he knew one, he knew one lad back. who tested positive for a steroid. And... Uh, also got no ban it went away um so yeah there is they're a separate entity they're not signatories to the WADA code so they don't have to obey uh the systems of the old usada or olympic level athletes so really the question you'd ask is if you're a college athlete and you're especially you're about to graduate and you're looking at working a nine to five and trying to fit your running around it or you're looking at winning an ncaa title and getting a six-figure contract why wouldn't you dope yeah, and then you look at the events, it takes sub-45 to make the 400-meter final, 10.06 didn't make the 100-meter final, you're kind of going, what, like, how much doping can one do to actually get a contract at the end of this anyway? Yeah, but like you're, the sprints are a different world you might though, even make the, it. the NCs. You might even make it to the NCAA championships in the first place, but if you were in any other country in the world, you'd be deemed a professional athlete next year once you finish college or if you're not a final or senior a couple of years time but it, it also leaves it open for and you can't it's hard to argue with them then the people who like to just throw athletics under the bus like yeah and this is like oh no they're all cheating and you, you can't really say oh you can't say that but it's like well there's not even any 
yeah. testing at the event, so it's a... Uh, yeah, you've got the University of Houston set a 4 by one record there as well. So Carl Lewis is the assistant coach there, and... Anyway, moving on. Yeah, but, but the other man I thought of there, and he, maybe he's injured or whatever, is... Where's the, uh, one of our heroes, Grant Holloway, was he injured? Oh, yeah, no, he won the hurdles. Yeah, oh, did he? didn't run very well. <laughs> he won them, what, not he won? 13-6 sure. or 5? 13-45 or so, or maybe 13-6 actually, but he was, it was very close. Just one on the line of second and third were very close to him, but... For man who's run 13-15 already this year, it's uh, not oh, the was best. was wet there and all. It was, yeah, but he was very... He had a battle on his hands, but sure, who knows what his build-up was like. And he would have had the 4x4 four four that day, perhaps, or 4x1 on the same day. So Did he do any long the, jump or not? I'm not sure if he did the long jump. No, he didn't win it anyway if he did. I have to say one thing I despised while watching it was that they ran the sprints down the back straight. Like with the wind, and it's ah. just the most shocking camera angle ever. They have to move the camera oh. about three times, three different pictures during the course of a hundred meter race, and you can't. The can't. The final camera is nowhere near the finish line. Yeah, it's in like, alignment with it. So it's like you, a long jump, you always just want the head-on shot where you can't tell if they jumped long or not. Yeah, they do that in the long <laughs> jump as well, which also infuriates me. But yeah, who cares? It's a championship race. Like no one's gonna say the NCAA is their crap if it's if the women's race is run, won in 11.5 or the men's mm. is 11 or is 10.3 just run it down the home straight we'll all enjoy it and it's all about that and, title and yeah. exactly and the grandstand is there and everything yeah in mm. general that, I didn't realise that actually yeah yeah well you weren't watching the NCAAs were you <laughs> certainly not you don't have that uh, prescription well, I was picking up my Twitter prescription but <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a good one <laughs> but yeah. you didn't even mean it yes, yeah. they are, are. as you said they, the Norman Benjamin and McLaughlin are all turned pro and speaking to some reliable sources in the industry um, McLaughlin will be signing for in and around the million per year mark certainly probably in excess of that and fair play to her she's built up the following she's yeah, got absolutely. the results to back it up she deserves it and, it, and interesting there, I suppose, as an aside, her coach is going to Texas, so she'd probably have to move there. Eldrick Florial, is that his name? Eldrick Florial, so yeah. yeah. Flo knows. Yeah. So he Eldrick also coaches Owen McLeod and... Kenny uh, Harrison. Kenny Harrison. Corey Carter. Corey Carter. He's not Camacho bad. Quinn. He's not... Jasmine Camacho Quinn, yeah. Bad. So she's the world leader, was until... Uh, Brianna McNeil. Brianna McNeil took that offer. But so yeah, so all the best hurdlers, pretty much America and Jamaican are with him so they'll be moving house perhaps that's why she went pro as well she said I'll have to leave here anyway but maybe she'll continue on her million continue on her studies what's it it's even with a million a year and then you're paying for your studies which is probably what 67,000 a year yeah it's funny you mentioned her I interviewed Jasmine Camacho Quinn a few weeks ago and uh, she just won the NCAA title and I was saying you know why did you she won the NCAAs as a freshman one of the first ever to do that in the women's hurdles and she basically I was said why didn't she turn pro then two years ago and she said well I can get my education paid for if I stay in college and realistically in the women's hurdles men's hurdles really as well mm. unless you're winning global medals you're not going to be getting a much more valuable contract than you would for paying your fifty, sixty thousand dollar a year tuition yeah especially as an American woman in the hurdles you're going to be ten even, a penny even at the minute she'd be or what country she's lucky from? Puerto Rico oh she's Puerto Rico but she's American yeah. She's, yeah, she's she, she switched in 2016 yeah and guess who came up with that idea Edric Floreal Floreal a few months before the Olympics hashtag Flo knows but yeah her <laughs> Yeah. yeah, there, there, we go. Go. there you Who go. Knows? Anyway, from there, we'll move on to another one of our favourite men. Uh, sticking with their NCAA uh, doping theme of the night. Is that, did you inject yourself with EPO? Uh, not really, it's not true. <laughs> so, not who really. is that? 
<laughs> Can you remember? Asbel Kipper. It's only been a few weeks. Yeah. Um, he's Asbel, given up the ghost. He's given up the fight. Asbel Kipper. Wouldn't be of. like him to throw in the white towel in a race <laughs> when you've either money on him or picked him for your fantasy athletics team. <laughs> yeah, he's so done it now in the doping fight. Absolutely. After that half-hearted interview he gave and really not much else except for a few uh, Bible quotes on Twitter, <laughs> he has decided that it's not he's, worth the hassle. He's still going with Emger. Oh, he is. All right. He's keeping that up because it's free because he's, on his Facebook he posted saying I have let go of this I've let the struggle to prove my innocence go not because I doped but I take the sacrifice because I support the anti-doping campaign that's good of him isn't he's taking the sacrifice for all of us because he supports the campaign he says I do not have money to meet legal fees and find qualified physicians who can give their opinion on my sample and discredit any possible unjust reason to why the sample resulted in an EPO finding I'm financially weak to challenge my accuser the IAAF whom I have always worked hard for. However, I'm rich in truth and sincerity. This seem this seemed to mean nothing. So that's what it says. So he used to work for the IWF, he says. Well, he loses. And they're now challenging him on this doping man. So where will he... He basically gets to keep all his money anyway that he's earned from the sport, will he? He has no money. Did you not hear yeah. him in the statement? <laughs> but he's rich in sincerity, so that's okay. <laughs> he's rich. As rich can be in Kenya. No, well. three world championships have been represented by Rosa and having a fat night contract and an Olympic gold medal. It doesn't go very far in Eldoret, I tell you. <laughs> Certainly not. Uh, yeah, so he's just giving up. Buy a glass of milk. <laughs> so yeah, Asbel, um, telling for me really that uh, obviously his agent Federico Rosa has a whole lot of money and has represented many of the best athletes down through the years. And to th- what instantly jumped out at me is why is Rosa not stumping up the cash to defend him? Um, if indeed he's, mm. he's claiming this uh, sabotage and that he has been wronged and the only answer I could think of is that Rosa knows thinks he's guilty um, has, so, yeah. Rosa, has Rosa made a statement about it at all? he hasn't no but to think he's giving up the fight if you're going to come up with this and you're going to come out with all this stuff you better start fighting and you better start backing it up with lawyers with evidence and he just has kind of done there has been some uh, things that look quite dodgy with the whole transaction and the way his drug test was carried out with the payment of money and stuff but really if you're going to come out with all that why not follow it through Mm. he keeps contradicting himself he goes he keeps contradicting himself and that like he was going on I thought it was just some money for tea or something and (laughs) then next thing he's like I didn't know what the money was for and you know it stinks throughout it's also possible I think that he was doping and he was set, set up. up yeah yeah, I believe that yeah. well yeah. believe that anyway uh, see there was a he was a quote of the day on Let's Run there today and they were saying maybe they could set up a GoFundMe page to help him uh, would you to, donate to expose him either for way expose him either as a cheater or that he he was uh, clean all along I'll say this much for Asbel relative to our earlier discussion about Kenyan athletes he's, he's got a great personality and he's a great talker he does, oh, yeah. he's, the, he's a distinctive figure he's very easy to pick out of a race as yeah. well so, so he, is a, he is a huge loss to the yeah. world of middle distance running if this indeed is the end of his career as it unfortunately appears end. to be but there's a couple of, look there's a couple of great Kenyans and personalities and obviously particularly back in the 90s but even now like the likes of Concessus Kipruto and stuff there much needed I think they're great characters on the scene but he he was certainly one of them wasn't he in that he was he he was silky smooth he really did look like the real deal and mm. world junior cross champion 47 seconds for the 400 and everything else in between but yeah I just know if I if I tested positive erroneously not saying I'm doping <clears throat> but 
good God, I'd fight it to the death. You would Until imagine. the day I die, yeah. I'd never stop. Yeah. And I keep trying to earn money and get people to take my, some lawyer to take your case. Uh, what's that? Free term? Pro bono. Pro bono, that's the word. Absolutely. Um, we can't let Phelan try and say that one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, even if you look at like Stephen Colbert here, who's still kind of half fighting his own case, just to clear his name at this stage, because he's allowed to come back and sprint if he wants. But uh, from an Irish perspective, you know, he was uh, never letting that go. Because yeah. he obviously thinks he was wronged, and whatever. also got a lot of his like parents and grandparents' money to fund it, and then eventually ran out of funds. Obviously, because it's quite an expensive procedure, but also found scientists and um, people in America really to take his case on pro bono and try mm. and um, take it. But obviously, there's a certain time that runs out. But it seems as if Kiprop isn't even going to try, which to me speaks volumes. Yeah, absolutely. Keep the cash. That's it. Just tell the tell the handy he'll, lie. He'll cry into his pile of money every night in Eldoret or E10 or wherever he is back home. And kind of keep playing the one like Michelle Smith about like I didn't. Michelle Smith never tested positive at yeah, the exactly, Olympics. Yeah. All right, she's our greatest Olympian. She, did you hear the interview with her? She said three uh, not gold really. medals. <laughs> yeah. yeah, our greatest ever Olympian. Never never pried so, in from her hands. Going from Michelle Smith to other great Irish athletes, we had an Irish record in Santry just across the road from us here Lake can she do it on can she do it on a windy night in Santry yes she can let's just give a shout out to Ger O'Donnell who documented the whole thing for the entirety of the Irish sporting public and media to steal and then replicate on Absolutely. their sites for the benefit of clicks yeah there you are you're all welcome now send the envelopes in the post for me thanks and the pats on the back uh, not yeah really <laughs> but uh, yeah it was a uh, magic weather in Santry that evening as well it was scorching and uh, the wind was just blowing down the home straight which it very rarely does in Morton Stadium just kind of turns for the summer for a few magic and evenings and the nervous wait for yeah for so the, the legal wind graded, graded meat uh, I don't even know if she was entered in the race oh she was entered but I don't know if they had her included even in the race and she was put in lane 8 randomly and there was all sorts of lane 9 or yeah, something there, oh it was lane 9 yeah, yeah. There, was, there was all sorts of random seedings going on uh, at the grade of meat there but anyway yeah I just saw Shane McCormack her coach was getting his camera ready I said you know what I better video this as well because it's probably going to be very fast yeah. and it was 11.28 with a plus 2 point also took a chunk off the previous record of 11.40 so Wipes uh, Alice McSweeney and Amy Foster, Foster yeah. off the record books. That was brilliant. I, I legged it across just on just on time. Got to the top of the mound and watched her scorch to victory mm. and obviously to the new Irish record. And uh, I saw Paul Hessian was taking to Twitter lately just to congratulate a few people. I think he was tagged as well anyway, but doing the, the class act as he always is anyway yeah. to hat tip. And as he kind of said though as well, and bringing keeping this whole sprinting movement that the likes of himself, David Gillick and Dervil O'Rourke really kind of transformed into kind of world-class ter- territory. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she's certainly bringing that 100 down to yeah, and then on the same, much more respectable level. But an hour later, around 52.68 for the 400 as well, which is arguably nearly more impressive. And then went to Geneva three days later, around 52.15, was it, or 13? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is obviously another chunk off. It's a third fastest ever Irish outdoors and then did the same in the 200 around 22, 23 17 I think it was 60 or 13 anyway it doesn't matter it's 52 low it's still outside her indoor time so she's still got uh, a bit of way to go on that when she gets uh, obviously running four races in three days isn't going to have her fresh legs but she's now the fastest over 100 and third fastest over 200 and 400 in the country ever 
So she's on the right trajectory and But if Britain's yeah. Interesting to see what she does with the in terms of Berlin, what she'll pick. Because I know the the four by four, if there's a team going that that'll be on the same day as the four flat, uh the finals if she gets Screw there. Screw it. It's an individual sport. Yeah. Go for the 400, Phil. More de- more advice from jumping the gun. Absolutely. You didn't ask for need yeah. or want, and it may absolutely destroy your career. I'd imagine it'll be, it'll be two or four, I'm sure, because that's where the, uh, the her strength is going to pay off. Yeah I, just, yeah, I think, yeah, the 200 is, I don't know. I just think she's a better chance of being a, a 51-something runner who gets into a final than a... Mm. What would you need? High. A twenty-two-six, probably twenty-two-seven oh, yeah, to get into yeah. a two-hundred-meter yeah. final with Dina and Daphne yeah. ripping it up, and Yvette Lalaba and all. I think there's eight British girls who've gone sub twenty-three already this year. Yeah, which is. But good. thankfully, only three of them can go. That's the truth. Ah, yeah. There's a good few other sprinters as well that can go in. Maybe I don't know. Can Bungie even go up to the two? And mm. there's a few others. But I think it is important not to put into context. One, it's great actually the the general coverage that Phil's gotten. But to balance that, let's keep the positive side, keep promoting her, but then not put undue expectations. Like you say, she's going to have to knock off probably a full second, I think, to maybe make the final or at least in the 400. In the 400, 51 low. Oh, well, I think she can definitely run 51.5 at the minute anyway. Yeah, so that might make a final, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but what I'm saying is just that, that there's, a, there's another little bit to go. She's gone oh, the right yeah, way, yeah. but, it's all but don't build her up. And yeah. then if she runs fifty-one seven, misses out, and you know everybody, the way Jump the media got, people are thinking, oh, she's she's going to be a shoe in just to make this European four hundred final, which she's not. Yeah, yeah. But she's certainly in the right trajectory, and like again, God willing, or whatever phrase you want to use, that this is again another platform. As as a, as as if you look back in the last couple of years, it's another layer, and surely, hopefully standing not getting injured and all those different things she's going to step up again to another higher plane next season well, yeah, and yeah. keep that positivity going that way as well well yeah she's she's made a very good decision going back to she for Clary Butner with Shane McCormack to do a two masters I think over two years down in uh, Waterford IT and train mm. as a semi-professional essentially for two years which will take her up to she's halfway through that so next year will be the world championships in Doha and then all going well um she'll have a year to basically be a full-time athlete with Tokyo and then you're going to be about she's going to be about 25 years old so you're in the perfect position to make a decision then about whether you're doing it for another Olympic cycle so yeah I think it's just going through those steps of increasing the professionalism each time relative to your yeah. performance and it's paying dividends for her and yeah and contact time with the coach as well obviously. oh that's it yeah but also in terms of women's sprinting in Ireland so we've seen in the last few years that it's been on fire in terms of the juniors and youths anyway but now when those girls come up through the ranks it's like well like it doesn't matter what I've done previously I need to try and catch Phil Healy here so there's going to be a huge battle on behind her to get on a relay team with her and to try and get close to her in terms of medals at national championships and get themselves spots in international so in terms of bringing on the future of Irish sprinting having a superstar like that is always a good thing yeah I think just in terms of that raise in the bar like sprinters and now Shane McCormack has shown kind of uh, the pathway and that's the problem for the mm-hmm. challenge if you wanted to take it that way for the young athletes is the pathway now to get to this next level and, and now she's at this international standard and obviously that the club TLG which we haven't gone into fully but there, there's more of a movement there and that people are working together and, and you know you've got to look at at the end of the day we can pontificate about this and that and where they should go or couldn't go but at the moment 
Now, Phil, uh, not, I don't know what I was going to say, Phil Conway, but <laughs> Phil Healy and uh, Shane McCormack, if he, if he puts his page down now, he's got a list of results here. And, and, and I think other people should obviously potentially take note of that. And we're a small country, get, let's get training together. Yeah, Go think, train with Phil and working with Shane, or at least, you know, yeah. working with him. I think anyone dealing with young athletes at the minute, male or female, should even get in touch with Shane if you see him at a pester him at the track site and ask him how the last couple of years have gone because it hasn't just been plain sailing no. and I'm sure even this year which has been a huge year for uh, Phil and like Dave McDonald who we'll talk about in a little while uh, that Shane also coaches and we've talked about before but like the the ups and downs even through this year when things are going well never mind the previous years where they're battling different things with school and college and everything else um, just to see that it's not if things start to go wrong or not the way you planned, it's persistence that will prevail in the end. Absolutely. I think that's a sign of a really good coach, you know, obviously, because it's not easy, but it's possible to fluke one athlete. It might just be their own talent coming through. But I remember being down at the schools there and just seeing Dave McDonald and going, all right, no, this makes sense now that he's coached by Shane, Mc- Shane McCormack. Yeah. like, who is this uh, young lad in school running 10.6? Yeah, so but- we might just get a quick couple of minutes on the schools here before we wrap up. Uh, so... Like we mentioned there, Aaron Sexton, I suppose, stole the show alongside Dave McDonald in those sprints, 10.52, the two of them. And he went on to beat uh, Jason Smith in another great race he beat. That magic chest of his got the job done in the schools and also in the Northern Ireland and Ulster Championships to beat Jason Smith over the 100. Yeah, so the two lads were on 10.52 in that 100, and I think was was it Jeremy Lyons on Twitter said it, that would have been a national record back in 1996. Six, yeah. So that's the standard that that was at. Uh, it was new national record, breaking Marcus Lawler's record at 21-12 in the 200 as well from Sexton. So it's uh, some serious movement in the sprints there. And then in the women's 1500 film. The one and only Sarah Healy, yes, still rocking it out after she ran a youth record in Ordham. Then she broke Keir McGean's record again this time in the the school's 1500 record with a solo run and, and essentially stealing it back or getting it back and which was most impressive in the last 100 metres really I think she, she took it back around 4.18.32 the old record was 4.19.0 she ran 2.06 then at uh, BMC was it this week as well yeah just for 800 right metres yeah. yeah. oh she's a star and uh, on a final note on the schools um, quick nod to Kira Neville the Limerick bias showing again but another Trevor, triple Trevor. at the schools <laughs> uh, she's nowhere to put those medals at this stage it's good she's leaving school um, and also best race of the day for me Senior boys, fifteen hundred in pure arms, a pure contest. Dara McElhenney busting a gut from from three hundred meters in, and Charlie O'Donoghue outstaying him and out sprinting him close home. Yeah, Nelvin Appiah in the intermediate boys, Hygem as well, put on a class act of a show, uh, breaking Olympian Adrian O'Dwyer's record, jumping two o two there. Uh, Cockle went viral again. Uh, we won't mention that one too much. You went viral too, Jar. Uh, I just set it up for you there, and you knocked it out of the park. But uh, <laughs> Phelan set it up for all of us by having his athlete in the lead until the very dying depths. Yeah. Pipped on the line. But anyway, that was the Alana Neff, by the way, taking yeah. the was it senior girls, girls steeplechase. Steeple so yeah. check that out on Twitter if you they haven't were yet. Just outside the record there, but also there was just. Uh, there were so many good performances as well. I know sometimes people yeah. will email in or there'll be different things that you <laughs> missed out this. If we had an email. Yeah. <laughs> We're uncontactable for yeah. a very good reason. But uh, yeah, there were so many good performances. And again, there will be somebody who's competing there who's maybe even fourth, who yeah, might yeah. be our, who'd probably be our best athlete in five like, years' there's time. There's people who have, it didn't make, it didn't get through Leinster or Munster who could be, be winning mm. senior national titles in a couple of years. Hopefully if they stick at it and that's what they should do. 
And there's people who are finishing fourth or fifth who will just give up and never have anything to do with athletics again. Yeah, and the winners, yeah. It ends in mediocrity. That's but like most things in sport. The mm. funny thing is, all those stats, though, again, is true, though. Even the winners in the... I don't agree with the minor age group. There's too young for them. But also, they'll... They, they, a lot of those people will have, won, will have won medals in that minor section and they're not they even going to be back the next year they won't even be until mm. tomorrow on the start line and that's kind of sure look one and done better to burn out than to fade away absolutely I think that's a, a good note I think a song in that I think that's a good note to leave it on and we will be back maybe not next week who maybe knows maybe we'll just burn out and fade away <laughs> but, uh, as, well. as always give us, a, give us a subscription there on your app whatever app you're using to listen to us now that we're on all platforms. Okay. I give thought you were say give us some cash. Well, yeah, give us cash as well. You can send it to... Uh, and yeah. give us a share. Do indeed. Uh, give a, a rating on a iTunes. A retweet. A retweet, a share, a like, whatever it works best for you and we will be back <laughs> in due course. Goodbye. Does that work for you? It works for me.